0: Well, hey, all you wiretappers out there, back here in the studio of Gangland Wire. This is kind of a shorty. I want to take care of you guys in the, especially the audio. I started working on a book written uh, by some New York City policemen. Are they like collaborated with uh, another author and they told a lot of stories about being a New York City policeman? and. In particular, they got a bunch of guys from the intelligence unit to tell stories. And so I was going through them and there were great stories about trying to bug the Ravenite social club, which was Gotti's social club and Della Croce's social club also. Uh, before, and before that, you know, it's, uh, this social club, the Ravenite on, uh, 477, I think Mulberry Street, any in Mulberry Street down there in Little Italy in Manhattan it goes all the way back to Albert Anastasia and then Carlo Gambino took it over. And then Carlo Gambino, you know, if you know anything about him at all, he likes to keep a low profile. And by the time he took it over and been there for a while, there was so much heat on it and so much police and uh, agents, FBI agents attention that he left there and, and he gave it to uh, uh, Neil Della Croce so he took it over and then Gotti will eventually take it over. So it's it's got a long and storied history. It's a shoe store now, by the way. I'll I'll put some pictures up here on the uh, YouTube channel. But the the NYPD were working on it big time because like Gambino noted, noted, there's a lot of attention paid to it, and they got what what the FBI always called a plant or an observation point and And that would be a an upper floor apartment with a window and where you could see the front of the social club. Well, we did it down here in Kansas City, Boy, and we were in what we call Little Italy or Columbus Park down here for our social club. And it was really hard to get. Matter of fact, we the FBI talked about buying a whole house, But that house was not for sale, and it was right across the street. But there was nothing else really to speak of we had a spot that was up high at a community center that was almost a block away now with with uh, binoculars you could pick out tags and then after a while you knew guys cars so you didn't have to actually see the tag to note that so and so came but you couldn't really exactly see the front you could only see the cars as they pulled along Troost and then took a left and parked somewhere around the club, or if they went east and west on 5th Street, and, and if they came from the east and parked on the east side, you didn't, you couldn't see them from that particular plant we had. It, it was kind of a, a temporary deal anyhow. Uh, I once spent Super Bowl Sunday up there watching to see who was coming and going, and, and if we'd see one of the uh, named targets on the FBI wiretap affidavit, call them down at the uh, wire room and say so and so's there and then they could turn on the bug that was inside. They didn't really pick up anything, didn't really work very well. And getting a bug in one of those places is, you know, it's just not as easy as, as it sounds. And I'm you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of stories here about uh guys trying to get something going in the Ravenite and failing again and again. I, I think it's important, you know, we talk talk a lot about how mob guys work you know, I'm a copper. I like to talk about how the cops work too. We throw, just keep throwing shit up against the wall to see what sticks. And, you know, sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I remember we, we threw a pin register on a uh, drug dealers, a connected guy, Michael Card- Calderello. He had a, a biker bar and he was connected with some bikers, one of the biker gangs, the L4 Steros, I believe. And, and we put a pin register on there and we got a lot of kind of calls to people who were supposedly drug dealers and and then uh, but it wasn't really going anywhere but we were you know slowly but surely building a probable cause and and then he died he died of an overdose one night and we quickly got a search warrant for his house because the girlfriend who was there when he died said you know he was uh shooting cocaine and, and then he had some kind of a heart thing and he died and we found a kilo inside of his house and a lot of other things things we seized a bunch of stuff from him but it, it's just really hard to do this stuff. But, you know, a lot of the stories are in the, the trying, may not be successful, but the stories are in the trying. So I apologize up front that the audio is a little bit different. A couple of them I did a, by phone, by just for shorts on YouTube. And then I looked at these other stories and I thought, well, I'm going to continue doing shorts. I'll just do them here on the computer with a better microphone. I'll just cut them up and then put them there. But I wanted to give you guys on the audio podcast because you're my guys. Oops, my phone's ringing over there. I got to check that out. Anyhow, guys, enjoy. Well, hey, guys, I found this book, Cop Talk. It's got some really interesting stories in it from NYPD, and one of them was they were on a surveillance at the Ravenite and they saw a wooden bench sitting down front that Croach would sit at and talk to people. So they stole it late one night and replaced one of the boards that had a bug inside of it. But a neighborhood lady saw them stealing it. So uh, she told somebody at the Ravenite about it and they started taking the bench apart. And they found this hollowed out board with a bug inside. It was a $1,000 bug, by the way. So they set it aside, just set it up against the wall and called Gotti because they didn't know what to do with it. And Gotti, finally time Gotti and Croats got there, there'd been some time elapsed and the cops saw this was going on. So they sent one of their guys walking down the street and he just picked up the board and kept on going. Gotti gets there and he says, you stupid bastards, you had it and you let them steal it back from you. Another little story out of this cop talk book. (laughs) This was great. They're, again, they're trying to get a listening device in the Ravenite Social Club. They're on Mulberry Street. So they, they try it one night, and they, they spend the whole night trying to pick the lock. They can't get in. They try it again. They take a whole big crew. They have two guys in a Con Ed truck out in front. They have two detectives in a radio car cruising around. They have a couple more look like bums walking around the neighborhood. They have a couple of guys acting like they're drunk, and they're trying to pick the lock. Well, there's a dog on the inside, so while they're uh, trying to pick the lock, every time they get the pins on the tumblers up a little bit, the dog will jump up against the door and it'll knock them back down. Finally, a neighborhood lady hears this racket, calls the club manager who comes running out, and then he runs up to the con Ed truck because he sees these guys out by the front door, and he says, hey, officers, he said, arrest those two men. They're burglars. And, of course, they run on off then, so it was a hard place. After a couple of times of breaking into the Ravenite Club or putting a microphone in the bench out front, the NYPD cops tried another outside bug. They had noticed that Gotti and Della Croce would often walk outside past the Ross Trucking Company and into a chicken market. The NYPD electronic genius, Phil Ross, made six small sensitive microphones. Then they strung from the top of the Ross Trucking Company, they strung some wire and hung those microphones down over the path where Gotti and other people, and Delacroach in particular, might walk. All they heard was the sounds of chickens and, you know, other ambient sound. While they could sit up on that roof and actually hear, they claimed they actually heard Gotti telling Delacroach that, I I, I want to kill Paul Castellano, so... You know, who knows? Uh, They finally abandoned that effort. After the failure of breaking into the Ravenite and the microphone on the bench and the mic suspended up in the air over a walk and talk place, the NYPD tried going into the basement under the Ravenite. They used what's known as a spike mic. This is a microphone attached to a thin spike that they then drill up through the floorboards up in uh, between the joist in the basement and so just the the very little point of the microphone sticks out well that picks up vibrations in room and then there's a actual kind of a receiver on the end of that spike mic and then that's hardwired and it goes they hide the wire up along the floor joists and the rafters in the basement ceiling until they can get it outside and then they ran it to another building so what they did they ran it to a firehouse nearby well there was a fireman in that firehouse that was a gambler you can't trust those firemen and uh you know you can't trust cops either and they, he saw what was happening. So he goes over to the club. He's a gambler. He goes over to the club where he catches this Mickey Cirelli, who's a, a bookie and the club manager somewhere, and says, Hey, you know, these cops are running some wire from over by your guys' club. And it wasn't really working anyhow. Those things are, are dicey at best. And they couldn't hear anything. Then all of a sudden, they started hearing voices talking about, well, what's this? And somebody like touching the spike mic and they <laughs> pulling out, well, where do these wires go? They quickly cut their wires and snuck away with their recording equipment, which was in their, their plan or their observation point. The NYPD maintained an apartment as an observation point close to the Ravenite. One night they were sitting in a, in the dark and they heard voices under the window. And then they heard a ladder being placed up against the wall that led up to the window. So they kind of sneaked a peek, and they saw somebody coming up toward their observation window. And this is the same window that they used to film this uh, these Gambino guys congratulating Bruno Wack Wack and Delicato, who was in the Bruno and the Bonanno family. And this was like an hour or so after Carmine Galente was killed. Like it was. You know that the word really didn't have time to get around unless you're in the know. And they're clapping him on the back and kissing him and everything. That film will later be used in the uh, commission trial when they convict uh, Whack Whack of of that murder being taken part in that murder. But they hear down below, they hear off this ladder, Buddy Delacroce yelling up to somebody. Said, "You know, take the screen off, look in." And they hear this guy say, "Well, there's nobody in here." Buddy yells back up, I got some gasoline, just burn the place. And so the, the cops are like readying their guns. They're like pulling their guns out of their holster, getting ready. The guy says, we can't do that. We'll burn down the whole building and there are people in there. They they go buddy and this guy go back and forth about whether he's going to burn this building or not. And, and the cops are like, you know, ready to start. One of them says, you know, hey, we're just going to have to shoot him off that ladder if he comes up here with some fire. <laughs> buddy keeps yelling. i don't care the fbi's in there burn it and the guy never would do it and they walked back down the ladder and the uh cops reholstered their guns and and you know they continue to use that observation point for a while you've seen a lot of video and and things like that out it was a pretty good spot it that was a hard to get guys So I hope you like my little contribution to how the cops work on the mob, how intelligence units work on the mob. I can verify every one of those stories about trying to pick locks or trying to get in, you know, setting up a whole big operation where you got a couple of guys in uniform cruising the area and you got a couple of guys in a a powered light truck. We're here in Kansas City. Um, I remember one night we were trying to put a camera in up over a guy's computer. This was later on in my career and they had computers by then. And we had a couple of guys with a powered light truck just blocking off every, you know, the, the streets on all the way around. And, and we even had a, uh, a, a cop come up. And just came up to the barricades and and one of my guys that wasn't very well known on the police department, he'd been a technical guy and and always kind of been in the background. And and when he's in patrol, he was probably, you know, somewhere on dog watch. I don't know. And, and so the canine copper comes up and starts asking what's going on. Old bar's out over here and he carries this whole conversation and the canine officer just goes ahead and leaves. So he he didn't know what was going on. So I hope you like these stories. Uh I loved them. You know, uh, this, was, this was a great book. It was a fun book. It's, it's got a lot more stories in it. I'm, you see uh, the images of what the book looks like if you're on YouTube. The title of the book is Cop Talk True Detective Stories from the NYPD by E W Count, C O U N T. So I appreciate y'all listening in, and don't forget if you've got a problem with uh, PTSD and you've been in the service, go to the VA website and get that hotline. If you got a problem with drugs or alcohol, go visit our friend Anthony Ruggiano. Uh, he's got a hotline number. You, if you're gonna want to go down to Florida and go to treatment, you know, get hold of that him on that hotline and that like could be your counselor. So that would be great, wouldn't it? If you do that, give me a story. Come back and tell me about it in some manner. I just want to know. Anyhow, don't forget, I forgot to say this before. I like to ride motorcycles. So watch out for motorcycles when you're out there. Thanks a lot, guys.